Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to a fantastic Friday. It's good news Friday as well. Because everyone is so dour, so sour, so depressed and repressed all the time, because we are inundated with bad news on a more than regular basis. In fact, how do you even call it a regular basis when it's a non-stop basis? <laughs> all he ever hears horrific things happening everywhere, and we're all depressed about the oncoming election. Everyone's divided. Everything's divisive. COVID's got us down. The world is terrible. We're all in a pandemic, and the world's about to end. But not really. The world's going to keep on spinning no matter what. So I... I'm going to take it upon myself every Friday to kind of find some highlights, some little nuggets of positivity that are happening across the planet with our dear species that I will share with you and hopefully will uplift you a little bit more, take you into a better weekend. And for today, should only last about a half hour, famous last words for me, but this is about good news, by the way. There's not as much as the other bad news and there's not as much to explain with good news. It's just good. So today, of course, is Friday, October 30th. Isn't that right? Tomorrow's Halloween. So we should all be ramping up for tricks and treats, which, of course, won't happen because of the pandemic. But I'm sure there's lots of folks doing all sorts of creative things out there to make it happen for the kids and the kids and the adults everywhere to have a good time tomorrow night. So without any further ado, let's get to what boy or what is happening on planet Earth in politics or economics or good deeds, technology, or anything. Space. Is there anything good we can talk about in these very divisive times? Oh my gosh, there's actually a ton of great stuff happening right this moment on the eve of Halloween Eve. And that is, uh, for starters, I'll start with politics, which is rare that there's anything cool happening in politics that's positive. But if you've been following anything going on down in South America... The Chileans just voted to completely redo their entire constitution. Wow. That doesn't happen very often at all. And they want to redo it in a variety of ways to make it more equal, to uh, establish and solidify rights for human beings, both in terms of women, but also minority and voting rights. But the main thing they're rewriting their entire constitution about is to try to tackle wealth disparity. Now, Chile is actually a country that's doing pretty well uh, in Latin American terms, pretty well for world terms, quite frankly. I'd say it's got to be uh, one of the most developed uh, economies in developed countries in Latin America, certainly a top three. Its economy does pretty well. So why would people be worried about wealth disparity? Well, quite frankly, everyone on planet Earth should be worried about wealth disparity. It's kind of a big deal. Uh, and it's a big deal because the more societies become unequal, the more not just the more poor people there are, not just the more unhappy people there are, but if you have uh, means, if you have money in societies, even rich people should be concerned about wealth disparity because the bigger the percentage of people without money or means or happiness, the more unhappy your society is in general and the more prone it is to uprisings, to protest, to crime, and to revolution. So people the world over, whether you're rich or poor, uh, everyone has a vested interest in societies 
bringing down wealth disparity. By the way, the United States is a divided society right this second, I believe mostly because of wealth disparity. Uh, Middle class and lower class wages have stagnated since the 1970s, meaning cost of living has gone up and your wages have gone up barely enough to even cover that. On average, the wealth disparity is growing in the United States, and it's one of the reasons for the chasm in our society. But back to the good news. Uh, and maybe you know, the United States is going to do something about that soon. But back to the good news, Chile's doing something about it right now. So Chileans want a more equal society. They, uh, their politicians uh, did not want to rewrite the Constitution, but it was uh, a protest started to happen, uh, I think, about a year ago. It was February 2019 or somewhere in 2019, the government raised the price of the metro fare. That's like the subway or the bus system. They raised the price of a standard fare by four cents. Now, one might say, what? That's less than a nickel. Who the hell cares about that? Uh, in a society where there's a lot of poor people, uh, a nickel raise in uh, uh, public transportation is a big deal. Uh, it, Chile has a now 20-year history of student protest, of, I would say, lower-class protest, but poor folks protesting. It's a fairly equal uh, society in terms of people's political investment in it. It's quite fascinating. Everyone in Chile is pretty active. And so anytime in the past, in the past 20 years, there's been tons of student protests about, say, the price of education. There's been a protest about the price of health care. There's been protests about lots of different things. And this current situation that led to them rewriting their constitution was a protest over the rise in metro fares. Now, what do the people want? The, the politicians didn't want to change anything. But the protests go, went on long enough and persistently enough and got big enough that Sebastian Pereira, the center-right, some call him a right-wing, but center-right president, billionaire president of Chile, finally had to say, okay, enough's enough. You know what? I've heard the call. All right. There's enough people protesting. We've had the economy shut down long enough. We'll take it to a vote of the people. We will let the people vote if they want to change the Constitution. And that just happened this week. Back to the story. And 78 or 79 or 80 percent of the people voted to throw out the old Constitution and write a completely brand new one. Wow, that's awesome. Now, I should qualify this. I think they only had about 50 percent voter turnout. So this might be a problem down the road a little bit because, of course, they're going to have to get that Constitution written and they're going to have to get that thing passed. Okay? But I think it's always a good news story when people in a democracy go out to the streets, demand change, and then get it. That doesn't happen very often. It's mostly that people in democracies don't go out and protest very much anymore. Everybody's kind of fat and happy, and you get enough money to get by, so you don't really care when bad stuff happens. But not in Chile, and this came to fruition. Now, again, back to the point of, really, is this just about a, a bus fare? no. Uh, is it just about student protest? No, it's about a whole lot of other things, including that the current constitution was concocted, was constructed by a dictator named August Pinochet, which ruled uh, Chile with an iron fist from 1973 to 1990. You might have heard about him. It was on war uh, uh, crime tribunal and was worn out for his arrest. I think he eventually died. I don't know if he died in captivity awaiting uh, a, a trial, but... Yeah, he was wanted uh, in the world for being a dictator. 
Tens of thousands of people disappeared uh, in Chile under his reign. The funny thing is, though, uh, is that Chile's economy radically improved under Augusto Pinochet, the dictator. Uh, and that's because he basically privatized everything. So Chile is a real interesting experiment in that their government said whenever this dictator took over, they had a left-leaning guy in, a, a semi-communist guy, got elected in Chile. Then there was a U.S. CIA-backed coup to throw that guy out and got it killed, and then this dictator came to power. And when he came to power, he privatized everything, which means in Chile the entire healthcare industry is completely private. The entire education system is completely private. The entire communication system is entirely private. It means individual private corporations uh, hold the keys to all these things and make money off of all these things. Yeah, including education. So that's what a lot of people in Chile have been unhappy about over the years because even though the economy improved, which tends to happen when companies run things, equality, uh, true equality and wealth disparity has not gotten that much better. So there's not as many impoverished people in Chile as, say, neighboring countries in South America, but they're just above the poverty line. So in a country that has significant resources of copper, of several other metals, of fish, of nitrates, of a lot of things, they're really rich, but the, the, the profits for most of the uh, resources of the country have gone to the few. Again, it's a lot more equal than other countries around it, but not as equal as Chileans want it. So first off, they wanted to throw out the Constitution because it was written by a dictator. Uh, so it had no real legitimacy in a democracy, which Chile is. Uh, and second, it didn't really put into place like protections that we assume like our Bill of Rights. Chile's Constitution doesn't have that. So they're like, well, we kind of want to get that stuff in there too. Uh, and we want to address some of these issues with, we're a rich country, why don't we have more public education? Why don't we have more public facilities? Why don't we have more public goods that we are paying into for taxes that we should uh, share? So it's an interesting time for Chile. And again, whether you think this is a good thing or whether you think it's a bad thing, I consider it good news anytime humans go out to try to change their societies I think it's usually a good thing. Uh, the thing I like uh, about this story in particular is 78% of people voted in favor of new constitution. Okay, um, drawn and 79% of them voted that the new constitution would be drawn up by a body which would be 100% elected by popular vote rather than the Congress itself. So if you understand what I'm saying here, they had a two-part uh, referendum that the people voted on. They said, one, do you want to change the constitution? And two, who should write that new constitution. And instead of just saying, well, let the government write it, they said, no, 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 we don't trust the government at all. So we're going to vote by districts to elect people. And one of their key demands, elect people to write the constitution. Uh, and then one of their key demands was to reform the old dictatorship era constitution, which entrenched in qualities, putting a private sector in control of health, education, housing, and even pensions. And the other thing that was uh, I didn't draw out of the story here to put on the screen is that uh, the constitutional drawing, the, 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 the write-up, how do I say this? The group of people that are getting together to write this constitution are going to be elected, and they said in there, and also they have to be 50% women and 50% men. Boom! I mean, that's, that's pretty, 
that's pretty revolutionary when you think about it. That's kind of hilarious when you think about it. So I really like that story. And then my final picture of the story is I really like this picture because Freddie Mercury apparently returned from the dead to be on the protest in the streets of Santiago. This dude is awesome. I want to party with this dude. Hopefully he's going to get elected to the board to help rewrite the Constitution. So Chile, jubilant over new Constitution coming. By the way, there'll be plenty of pitfalls, plenty of conflict. It's not going to go easy, but it's humans individual humans deciding their fate within their society. And I think that's a terribly positive, good news story that I like. Next story. Let's go to the environment. Oh, I'm sorry. We already have a, a oh, question. Say, say oh, a Classy Cynical's up in the house. What's up, Classy Cynical? And Slute13 uh, 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 singing, I want to break free. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be free. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anybody else in the chat room? It's a Friday afternoon. I didn't heavily promote this. I assume nobody showed up, but I'm really happy for the few people that are here. Uh, 15 people hanging out with me on a Friday afternoon. That's a win for me. It's another good news story for me. I like it. Uh, I uh, Honestly, I'd love you guys' opinion. I'd like to do something like this, and we've been podcasting now four days a week, and uh, I would like to continue to do the good news thing, but I'm getting to the point of not even wanting to advertise it, because I don't like to bug people, and so, you know, I'm inundating social media, saying, hey, I'm getting ready to do this thing, uh, but already I can tell I'm pissing people off, because I would be pissed off, you know. The first time I podcasted two weeks ago, I got like 300 likes said I'm podcasting, and now I get zero even clicks so that I put something up. So I now I've crossed the threshold of bothering people, which is why I'm like, meh, I guess I'm just not going to advertise anymore. That's fine. I'll talk to the air if I have to. Uh, constant questionings up in the house. Uh, Classy Cynical says, just finished China Quizzes, funny enough, and saw that you were streaming. Thank you, Classy Cynical. Uh, and VT uh, uh, SC Rogers uh, giving me some, I don't know, is that a kissy face? I can't, I'm old, I can't see these icons, emoji, emojis, Pokemons, whatever the hell we call them. Uh, and Yakov says, Profess, you should move this slightly later and call it Friday afternoon, good news, happy hour. You can even dream wine, or dream wine? I'm always dreaming while streaming. I'm always dreaming while ste uh, streaming, uh, Yakov, but thank you. Yeah, I probably should have some wine in hand. Although I've been a bit under the weather, so I'm trying to lay off the sauce for a little bit. But let's get to some more good news, shall we? Does anybody want some more good news? Um, several from the environment. Something we only perpetually hear about how the world's getting ready to crash and burn. And I believe most of those are legitimate claims. <laughs> I don't think that uh, the, you know, the world's going to explode, per se. I think it's kind of like Blade Runner 2049. Anybody ever see Blade Runner 2049? The opening slide of that is ecological collapse <laughs> and it's like yeah uh, right this second with rising temperatures on planet earth combined with say storm systems combined with pollution my biggest thing is pollution combined with polluting acidification of the oceans and pollution of the land uh, and uh, pollution of the air it's going to eventually catch up with this is what everybody's always telling us and i actually believe that's True. I know a lot of folks are like, no, I don't believe nothing. Uh, global warming's not real. Well, do you believe pollution's real? 
because I can go show it to you. So um, anytime we get some hints that perhaps there's an, a critical mass of us that may be interested in turning the corner on pollution and environmental degradation, it's good news. And good news is happening with the environment and hardly anyone in America's getting any of this information because one, half of America doesn't believe it. Uh, and two, 100% of America is completely consumed with a pandemic and with a presidential election. Two things which both to me are both bad news. <laughs> so you're not even hearing this. And here's what I'm talking about. Uh, this week, Japan pledged a completely decarbonized society by 2050. Yeah, that's a long way away. 30 years. We may not make it before Blade Runner 2049 occurs. By the way, I just put two and two together there. Did all of these countries see Blade Runner 2049? And that's why they're trying to set these goals by 2050? That we try to change our evil ways by 2050? Could be. Um, I know it would seem pretty realistic to me. So Japan came out this week saying, yep, we will be off of carbon. Strangely enough, Japan um, was going to be uh, or was a signatory to um, the uh, the big. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on it. Somebody in the chat room, help me out. What's the big thing in the world? Everybody signed up for it, and then Donald Trump took America out of it. Um, I'm just blanking, which tends to happen when I'm on uh, the climate initiative. But it had a name. Anyone? Anyone? Paris Accord. Thank you. Thank you, Tech Hokey. Uh, the Paris Accord, Japan was a signatory to the Paris Accord, but it was still it's still developing coal plants, uh, much the way the United States still mostly runs on coal, but the United States has already pulled out of the Paris Accord. We don't care. We don't care about pollution. We think it's hilarious. So uh, Japan is still moving in that direction because they have no other natural resources. So they have to import all of their energy resources but they're saying now, hey, even though we still are importing coal and building coal plants and using coal to produce energy, we want to, we are now saying it, boom, we're, we're throwing it down. We're going to start disentangling the economy from our energy sector. We're not going to be reliant. We're not going to continue to be a slave to using polluting carbon-based energies just to save our economy uh, or just uh, to make it one-to-one -to -one the economy. What they mean, I thought it was interesting that they've said this in several news stories, talking about the economy. Because it's really easy for any country or any politician to say, we should be off of oil, we should just be off coal, we should be off all carbon-based, uh, all fossil fuels and just be off of it. It's easy to say. But then when the rubber hits the road, you have to start answering questions of, okay, well, where do you get your energy from? Where do you get your energy from for your power plants, your power plants that fuel other industrial plants that provide jobs for all your people and your cars uh, that people drive to their jobs and to the grocery store. You know, it, it's easy to say, we're just going to stop using this stuff. It's much tougher to say, okay, what are you going to do to incorporate it? And are you going to be a slave to saying, we can't get off fossil fuels because it would wreck our economy, which is what all major economies have been saying for the last 30 to 40 to 50 years since the whole environmental movement started up. Economies like the United States outright and openly under President Trump have said, no, we're not doing any of that stuff because it will hurt our economy. So the good news is that Japan is thinking about their economy and they're saying, no, 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 we get it. But we are consciously making this choice. 
We know our economy's in trouble, but we're still a very rich country. And we're going to start making the hard moves away from fossil fuels into something greener. By the way, Japan also produces a lot of energy from nuclear power, which is not done particularly well for them since the last big disaster five years ago. So whether they're getting off of nuclear power too, I'm not sure. But I still favor a world that maybe even incorporates nuclear energy as opposed to continued and unadulterated dependence on fossil fuel. By the way, I am not a typical tree hugger. I think most of you know me. I'm a pretty balanced person. And I believe from the get-go, the entire environmental uh, movement has been completely and utterly uh, miscast. It's not been... I think they've been on the wrong message for 50 years. The message from uh, the anti-global warming folks and the message from most environmental folks and even the Paris Accord is fossil fuels bad, fossil fuels bad, fossil fuels bad, 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 everything's bad. It's like, that's fine. But to me, especially with the global warming part, it calls things into question because you can't prove It's very hard to definitively prove, especially to doubting people, that global warming is being caused by fossil fuels. Now, I believe it's a contributing factor. But if you're a climatologist, especially if you're a long-term climatologist, you understand that the global climate changes all the time. We used to have these things called ice ages. So the uh, anti-environmentalist have been saying for 50 years, you can't prove that, you can't prove that, you can't prove that. The climate's always been changing. You can't prove any of this is real. It's one of the things that gives their movement fuel in their tank. Literally, pun intended. So the anti-environmentalists, the people that only care about the the economy and don't care about the uh, uh, changing global warming. Is this thing popping up on your screen as well? Uh, They have been saying for years... You can't, that thing just popped up. Uh, We're not, we don't believe that human activity has anything to do with global warming and you can't prove it. And and climate changes all the time, so maybe it's changing naturally. There's a bit of truth to that, if if not completely true, which is why 50 to, I don't know, 60% of Americans don't believe in global warming at all still. And you're like, oh my gosh, have you not heard of this thing called science? So my point of this rant is, I have for a long time said, why are you guys talking about global warming, something you actually cannot definitively prove? We all know it's affecting it, but you can't definitively prove it's because of fossil fuels. My take from the word get-go has been, why don't you just point out pollution? Because pollution sucks, and pollution's visible, and you can see it, and you choke on it in the air, and we can show people definitively the oceans are getting destroyed by acidification. And when you see plastic garbage all over the place, people can see that. It's what people can under, easily understand. I'm not talking down to people. But the global warming folks have been trying for 50 years to convince doubters and naysayers of something they can't possibly convince them of. But it's really easy for me to show you a landfill and say, hey, doesn't that suck? It's real easy for me to show you uh, a coal uh, a plant belching out uh, air and acid rain raining on your kid's playground and say, hey, doesn't that suck? So I'm really happy that, uh, that there are now countries who are really getting serious about getting away from fossil fuels, maybe for the global warming thing, but for me, it's an environmental thing. I guess at my core, 
I'm a conservative because I kind of want to conserve nature, conserve a healthy planet, conserve a healthy atmosphere, conserve a healthy ocean so that my kids and grandkids and great grandkids can play in it. I don't know. I think we need to actually retool the whole word conservative because I'm trying to figure out what the hell American conservatives are trying to conserve. It certainly isn't the world. <laughs> I'm even for hunters, people hunting and fishing. I'm like, isn't that the conservative movement America started with? We should protect these things, conserve these things so that we and our kids can use them in the future. That's the basis of conservatism. It's now been taken over by, I don't know, trying to conserve the Civil War or some crap. I, I have no clue. Anyway, I'm getting off topic here. I think it's great news that Japan, because Japan is a top 10 world economy, uh, one that does not have a lot of energy and is not that big, and it's going to be challenged to co become completely carbon neutral in 2050. It's good news that they're pledging that they're going to do it despite the United States uh, pulling out of the Paris Accord. Um, uh, Slew 13 said, old school conservative, wasn't it a Republican who started the uh, EPA? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right, Slew. So decarbonized Japan is really cool. And then that overshadowed another story uh, of the same nature, which is South Korea followed suit two days later. South Korea, which uses tremendous amounts of imported fossil fuels. Uh, I love this. This is a student activist little scene here. Love it. South Korea vows to go carbon neutral in 2050 right after Japan does. South Korea is also a top 10 world economy. If it's not, it's top 12 or top 15, and it soon will be top 10. So this is kind of a big deal. And let me pull out some headlines here. South Korea's President uh, Moon Jae-in has declared the country will go carbon neutral by 2020, bringing it into line with other major economies. In a policy speech at National Assembly, Moon said... One of the world's most fossil fuel-reliant economies would, would actively respond to the climate emergency with international community and achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. South Korea is the latest major economy to commit to zero emissions. The European Union set itself a similar target last year. Japan followed suit 48 hours before this one. China said in September it was going for carbon neutrality by 2060. That is significant because China is the world's largest polluter. I guess who's number two? That's the United States. I bet you'd guess it pretty quick. So this is interesting to me that if you start looking at the world's biggest economies, and we can pull up a list, although the lists compete with themselves, but I can tell you who's on the top 10 list, or I can ballpark you who's in the top 10 list. Uh, the United States, number one. Uh, China, Japan, South Korea, the United Kingdom, France, Germany, Italy. I just named seven of them that I are positive are in the top 10 and all but the United States are on that list right there because the EU has set this as a, uh, a, a goal for themselves. So at least seven or eight of the top 10 world economies now are saying, yeah, we're going to try to get off of fossil fuel in 30 years. I actually don't think I've got but another two or three months of life left with me, period. But I would love to make it to 2050 to see if, well, hell, if the world's still here. But if this starts to come to pass, this is really good news. It's, it's one thing for Switzerland to say they're going to go carbon neutral. 
you know, it, it, it's another thing for, to say that, you know, uh, Central African Republic is going to go carbon neutral. That's good, but these are top 10 economies that are saying they're going to go carbon neutral. And I, I don't care about American politics at all. I cannot wait for this election to get over. Don't even care who wins anymore because America has gotten too far off track relying on a leader to fix everything for them. Neither one of these leaders is going to fix anything for America in this coming election. The American public have to decide what they want, much like the Chileans did. The American public has to decide that pollution is a bad thing, that perhaps global warming is a bad thing, that's being caused by uh, uh, carbon-based uh, energies. Humans have to, under, have to figure that stuff out for themselves, and I think it's good news that even though the United States is kind of going away, is not a world leader anymore, all the other major economies are on board for this. And whoever gets off of fossil fuel first is going to be leading the new best economies of the 21st century. It, it just it is what it is. Can you imagine the empowerment of a country that doesn't have to rely on any fossil fuels? Just think of the power they have. They can disengage from so much fracas happening on the world stage. You don't have to buy. You don't have to import. You don't have to spend money. You don't have to worry about as much pollution. I mean, it's kind of a biggie. And sorry, I see a bunch of comments popping up. Uh, let's see. <laughs> a constant question says they found a way to defend cigarettes. They'll find a way to defend pollution. You're absolutely right. Uh, uh, however, uh, constant questioning, I would add that one of the ways in it, this is good news. This is good news too. One of the ways that cigarettes eventually became uh, uh, controlled uh, was that it was affecting other people. So say conservative, I don't even say conservatives or Republicans, those that propped up the cigarette industry in the United States for so many years, and it's humans buying cigarettes and what props up the cigarette industries, but the government was complicit in it, complicit with the companies and not disclosing how dangerous it was to the individuals. However, we live in America, and in America, you have the right to do any damn stupid-ass thing you want to kill yourself. Absolutely have that right. We're free. Freedom! We're free! I'm free to do whatever dumb thing I want to kill myself, okay? Including, okay, I think you should be free to not wear a motorcycle helmet. I don't. I think you should be free to not wear a seatbelt. That's your life. You can jeopardize your own life as much as you want. But back to your comment, constant questioning. Um, one of the ways that cigarettes got reeled in was not because it was hurting the individuals, which it does, but because of secondhand smoke. So there's a lesson to be learned when it comes to trying to better regulate fossil fuels. The, the lesson should have been learned from cigarettes, which is, look, you can go kill yourself all you want, but smoking cigarettes in a room with a baby kills the baby. And you do not have the right in America or anywhere else to hurt somebody else. You, don't, you do not have that right. So to me, the whole fossil fuel industry should have been attacked just like cigarettes decades ago saying, hey, look, you can, you can have your coal burning plant over here in West Virginia, but you're, going, you're hurting people's health and you're going to have to pay for that, which is, I think, what kind of the carbon credit thing is, but it's not may, being made expressly clear. Yeah, I've already lost all the comments because all this. No, I just say thanks, Chunky Boy, for gifting a bunch of stuff. Oh, my God. Thanks, Chunky Boy. 
And hopefully that's not offensive saying Chunky Boy, but it's your screen name. <laughs> uh, anyway, if Katie can find the comments, because a bunch of stuff got... Oh, okay, I can scroll that way. Okay. How did you just do that? And I, I did the same thing and it didn't do anything. I just used two fingers to scroll. Two ah, two fingers is the trick. Okay. Uh, let's see. And Tech Hokie says, Dr. Michael Mann is about to beat someone with a hockey stick. <laughs> I love that. I don't even understand what it, what it means. Let me see some other comments here. Uh, uh, Siluan2020. Oh, that's a cool little purple globe you got up there. I like that. Let me add that to our icons for the Good News Friday. Maybe we need some positive icons like a panda kissing a penguin or some shit. Oh, yeah, sure. Were they good or bad? No, the first one was, we oh. need normal order and safety on the planet. We need normal order and safety on the planet. Again, I kind of liken it to, hey, that's how we got rid of, of smoking in public places in America. It just became obvious you can't pollute other people's air they have to breathe in. That ain't fair to me. You're now impinging on my rights. When you, you can't, I totally agree. You have the right to smoke cigarettes in your house and kill yourself. That's fine. I actually think suicide should be completely legal. I think assisted suicide should be completely legal. I am all about individual rights. And I say, smoke away, baby. I enjoy occasional cigar and pipe myself. But I don't do it around other people. And pollution should be treated, fossil fuel emissions and pollution should be treated the exact same way. Hey, company X, you, you want to do that? That's fine. But you're going to have to pay some money because you're burning, you're affecting my health now, not just yours. It's you do not have the right to impinge on other people's health. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Tech Hokey says, does the Biden campaign's attempt to frame his environmental plan as an economic initiative have a chance to gain more traction in the past 50 years or so, regardless of whether or not he's elected? Yes, uh, 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 Tech Hokey. I actually think that's why these other stories are such good news. I believe in my heart of hearts, it really does not matter who wins the next presidential election. I don't think the United States is no longer in a leadership position when it comes to this particular issue or issues. So the solution is not going to come from the United States. And my fear for years as the United States' global leadership has started to decline, my fear has been that, oh, wow, we, we used to think the United States came up with all the great solutions and that the world followed. And my fear was, well, as the United States starts to become more self-absorbed and just says, we don't care. We're just going to burn fossil fuels no matter what. I felt the world might follow suit. So this is good news. The world is not following the United States lead at all. And that's a good thing. And the United States and Joe Biden's plan or whatever it is the Democrats have in mind with the Green Revolution, that's cool. But they still can't get it passed in a divided society. So I still don't have a whole lot of aspirational hope that the United States is somehow going to become green. Here's how it will happen. Uh, Japan, actually more like China. China is going to invest billions or trillions. They probably already have invested billions or trillions into becoming energy self-dependent. When China does that, it wins. It just wins. You win. Okay? You win. You're at the top of your game. Uh, your, your society gets richer and cleaner fast. And it's going to take that competition for people in the United States to be like, wow, huh, China's like got 20% of its energies by solar now? Wow, it's 30% this decade? Oh, no, it's going up to 40%? Wow, they don't have to spend any money on fossil fuel? Wow, their environment's getting cleaner? 
It's going to take that sort of human-to-human, society-to-society competition for America or Americans to be convinced it's a good thing. We're just too divided. We're too divided, and, and now in the era of fake news, which is ha- most of it, uh, people only hear the stories they want to hear. So we're, unfortunately, we're getting further entrenched in our own dichotomy of beliefs. We only hear what we want to hear, and so you know, half the country that doesn't believe the globe is getting warmer or that the, uh, uh, that the fossil fuel is not particularly great, <laughs> they're not going to change their minds ever. So it's going to take businesses and governments at a much higher level to be like, oh, wait a minute, China's winning, Japan is winning, holy cow, South Korea's winning. Yeah, we want to be more like that because look at us. Look at us dummies over here still polluting ourselves to death while those countries are moving forward uh, with technologies. Think about technology, which is also good news. The more people who get into a competition with, about a technology, the faster stuff happens. The faster it happens, which is, again, as I fear for the United States. This is good news for the world. I fear for the United States because it's going to get behind. It's going to get behind. You get a bunch of players in, uh, in the game who are working as hard as they can to develop the greatest non-fossil fuel energy sources, they're competing with each other and they're developing infrastructure and they're putting forth government funds in China and Japan and South Korea will put forth a ton of government funds to make these things a reality. Uh, and, And all of a sudden, I have a feeling if the United States, if the population of the United States doesn't figure it out soon, a decade from now will be a second rate power because you can't just do it overnight. You can't just catch up overnight. The United States has the total ability to be a leader in all this stuff, but the population is not supporting it yet. And uh, again, I think it's good news that all these other countries are doing it instead of the United States. It's a good thing. Trust me, it's a good thing. Because I do believe the United States eventually will wake up and be like, oh my God, are you serious? All these other states are cleaner than us, doing better than us, and have free energy? No, we can't. No, 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 no. Yeah, we do look dumb now. And we don't like looking dumb. That's my opinion on that, Tech Hokey. Uh, Matt Growl said, did you hear about the earthquake in Turkey and Greece and the landslide in El Salvador? I did, Matt, but this is good news Friday. This is good news Friday, Matt. Don't bring that up right now. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, and I think I, that does catch me up. Oh, no, there's more down here. Yeah, thanks, Chucky Boy. You're too awesome. Um... And Jakob says, so the cigarette situation is awfully like the mask situation today. Yes, Jakob, that is another very good analogy. The same group of humans, um, Americans, I should say, not humans. There is this group of humans that do believe that individual rights trump everything, including public rights. That's a debate our society needs to start having. So the same folks that would defend to the bitter end my right to smoke a cigarette in a, on a crowded airplane, because that's me and I, that's freedom and it's America, I can do any damn thing I want. Uh, the same folks that would say that are the same ones saying, you can't make me wear a mask. You can't make me wear a motorcycle helmet. You can't make me wear a seatbelt. The funny thing is, is legally in most states, you do have to wear a motorcycle helmet. And legally, I think in the country, you do have to wear a seatbelt. Uh, this is the same thing with Obamacare. I just, uh, I don't dislike folks that I uh, disagree with. I, I, I just feel, I don't know, some sort of empathy. I feel empathy. I feel compassion. And I feel sorry for them uh, a bit because I'm like, how 
how do you not understand some basic elements of what's happening here? Uh, for instance, with the healthcare thing, with Obamacare, which they're gonna, the Supreme Court's likely to throw out in the next six months. Um, so people are gonna be back to you know being on their own for healthcare. The thing that that folks can't seem to comprehend about Obamacare is that it, it's not communism. <laughs> It's not even socialism. Um, it has been painted that way and painted so successfully in that light that people are adamant about getting something that would benefit them. Adamant against the same group of people that are all about individual rights and don't and hate masks and want to smoke in public. Adamantly convinced that Obamacare is bad. And uh, quite frankly, it's not their fault uh, because of our news and uh, propaganda and fake news. It's not even their fault they don't understand Obamacare, the basic principle of it. Let me explain it to you what I mean and who's at fault. Who's at fault is Obama. <laughs> Obama and his administration and every pundit since them are at fault for Obamacare still being contested. And here's why. Obamacare, the government, does not control or give out health care. It does not. It was a series of regulations that were trying to force everybody to basically buy insurance so you would all be insured when you need health care. And I know, what a radical, radical program. Except, except... It is absolutely the law of the land in every state in the United States of America. You must have car insurance to drive a car. Period. It's the law. The government came in and said, dude, you cannot drive around uninsured and go kill people, smash cars, cause property damage, and not be able to pay for the shit that you've caused. How the Obama administration failed so epically at not explaining that's what they were doing to healthcare, I have yet to figure out. And I, actually, to my knowledge, am the only one who's ever even made that comparison and made this analogy. This is a whole other podcast. I was just trying to talk about good news. Let me get back to the rest of the good news. For goodness sakes, it's supposed to go half hour. It's already 45 minutes in now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's well uh, said, Yakov, with cigarettes and the mask situation. It is a group of Americans who so fiercely contest anything. Uh, uh, based on the idea that they have the right to do anything they want because we live in America. And that's simply not true. America is one of the freest societies on planet Earth. But you cannot uh, carry a uh, AK-47 into a mall. Can't do that. That's illegal. You can carry a gun. You, can, uh, you have the right to own a gun, but you can't do that. You can't walk into a movie theater and scream fire. You have free speech, but you can't do that. Uh, so... There are limit, you know, you are, have the right to smoke a cigarette in your house. You can't do it on an airplane. You can't do that. So this idea that people are not or, or should be able to do anything they want, no matter what. No, that's never, it's not true. And it's never been true. You can't do things which could affect or harm other people, period. And one can make the argument masks are, if you don't wear one and you're sick, you are hurting other people. And that's not cool. Same with cigarettes. And Constant Questioning says, I have the right not to get health care. 
yes, currently you do, but you can't drive a car in Virginia without insurance. Can't do it. In fact, there is, uh, uh, and uh, uh, VTS Rogers says, but owning a car is a choice, though. Yeah, so it's going out in public. So if you don't want to, uh, to have any health care, then you should never leave your house. Right? You are part of a society. You have to make, as a part of society, you have to do some things. You do have to follow the construct and laws of the society. That's what being a participating member of society is, whether you like it or not. Uh, by the way, you actually do not have to go buy a private car insurance policy um, in the state of Virginia to drive. But if you do not have one, you have to check a box called uninsured motorist, which you pay $500 into a kitty that covers your ass when you go do something stupid. That's what Obamacare was doing. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to, I didn't mean to get off on a big rant about the, um, the healthcare system. I just think it's interesting that the United States, uh, on global warming, on CO2 emissions, and on healthcare, is really going it alone. Almost all other countries in the world are going this direction, and the United States is saying, nope, we want to go in that way. And I applaud that so many other countries are saying, no, we're going to go ahead and do the carbon limitation thing, too. Enough people are starting to say, this doesn't look good. This is not boding well for the future of our species. Maybe we should change. I like that. I like it that other countries are doing it even more than if the United States was trying to do it. Uh, on the same environmental front, and this one this is probably a premature story, but I liked it anyway. Uh, the best-looking prime minister on the planet, Justin Trudeau, announced this week that Canada aims to ban single-use plastics by 2021. Damn, that's just around the corner. Single-use plastics are just that. Plastics that are not really recyclable. Uh, plastic knives and forks that you get at thrifts, uh, right, uh, restaurants. Uh, straws, plastic straws. Uh, uh, grocery bags you get at the grocer. I know a lot of people are like, well, I use my grocery bag more than once. Yeah, but it's still a single use. You can't do anything else with it. It really can't be recycled. And even if it could, they're not getting recycled. So a lot of these things that there are alternatives for, the Canadians are suggesting we're going to pick six different things. Uh, you see at the bottom, uh, band likely to include plastic bags, straws, cutlery, plates, and stir sticks. You know, think about that. Do, you, do you, we really need stir sticks? I can't do without it. I have to have a stir stick, and it's got to be plastic. Oh, our poor species. Uh, it, we only make plastic stir sticks because perhaps it's cheaper to make 10 trillion of those things as opposed to making them out of wood, which we used to. We used to have these things called tongue depressors and you bust them up and then they're stir sticks and then you bust them up more and they're toothpicks. So, um, yeah, he's pushing for this to happen and I only put one or two other sub-stories up. Most of the um, the blowback from this was negative. Almost all the other news stories I read about this. Again, I look at this, I'm like, well, this is a good news story. Because, again, to rant about what I was talking about earlier, I'm mostly about pollution. I'm like, yeah, we can, we can debate about global warming till the cows come home. The cows who are producing methane, bastards, which is causing global warming. But we, we can debate about that till the cows come home. Uh, pollution is easy to understand. And we're creating these things out of the same fossil fuels that just don't go away and are getting into our water systems, our soil systems, into the ocean system, 
Uh, I think many of you probably are smart enough to have read by now that there's you have plastic in you. I mean, we're consuming plastic at the micro level. And we don't even know what that means for long-term uh, human health. Because I know you guys are young and you're like, well, I'm, I'm fine, I'm healthy. And it's like, yeah, because you're young. Uh, and plastics have only really been in mass use for 50 years. We really don't know what they do to humans yet. You're going to have to give it another 100 to 200 years of study. But I don't think it's going to be good. <laughs> so the pushback about this was significant. Almost all the other stories I read were business stories or even other governmental stories saying, Trudeau's an idiot. This is completely unnecessary. It's going to cause economic harm. It's going to cause all these small businesses to lose all this money. Uh, and it's it's not affecting anything anyway. And the reason that I'm telling you there was blowback about the story is because, one, it's not a done deal yet. I think Trudeau proposed this and is pushing for it, but it's not been cemented in law yet. Uh, and two... Whenever I see a huge blowback to a story which seems pretty practical, like, you know, if somebody said, hey, I don't know, I think maybe our toilets should not flush into my bedroom. And you'd be like, well, of course, I don't want the toilet flushing into my bedroom. No, I don't want, that seems like, oh, that's practical. That makes common sense. No, I don't want shit in my bedroom. Whenever I see a story like that, and then a thousand other stories are like, what's wrong with shit in your bedroom? How dare you suggest we don't have shit in our bedroom? I, I always kind of think, oh, this is a good news story. This is a very good news. When you see blowback about something that's so elemental, that means it might actually get done uh, because you're seeing a bunch of corporate blowback and it's going to cost me money blowback. And it's like, oh, well, that means it's probably the right thing to do. <laughs> Uh, and I would add to uh, this, for those of you that are interested in environmental issues, that fo burning of fossil fuels is polluting, period. There's no nice way around it. There's no such thing as clean coal. I know Donnie uh, Trump told some of you that. It, it is polluting to the air, to the water, to everything. Uh, and it does have CO2 emissions, which uh, probably are playing into global warming. The um, thing you also have to consider, though, if you are about, say, stopping global warming or a cleaner environment, what you do have to realize is, is the oil industry has already been shifting to pushing plastics because the oil and coal industries see the writing on the wall that clean energies are coming. Again, maybe not in the United States, uh, but the rest of the world is moving towards renewable energies and the oil industry knows this and it knows it can't stop it. Oil has already been as cheap as it's going to get. People aren't going to continue to use oil simply because it's the cheapest option. There are now environmental uh, and social and cultural considerations at play which are outweighing even the effectiveness and cheapness of fossil fuels. And by the way, they are effective and they are cheap. So the oil industry, uh, probably a decade or two ago, started to pivot to plastics because all plastics are made from oil, by the way, if you didn't know this. Welcome to the 21st century. Uh, and so they're continuing to keep oil processing, explore for new oil, push for oil technologies that make for even better, cheaper, more refined plastics. Uh, and some people are saying, hey, if you really want to get ahead of fossil fuel consumption, you need to not just talk about energy, you need to talk about plastics. Plastics are such an important 
part of everyday life for every human that even if we got rid of burning all oil, natural gas, and coal for energy production, oil would still be massively used for plastics production. So you're in the same boat for pollution. So this story from Vox, big oil's hopes are pinned on plastics. It won't end well. It's what they're saying. But I just want you to be aware it's a two-pronged approach uh, to getting off of fossil fuels. It's, it's energy, but it's also plastics. And I love plastics, by the way, but uh, that's why I like this Canadian story. It is kind of a good news thing to say, hey, look, we're not going to ban all plastics. I Plastics are used for like uh, artificial hips and artificial hearts and syringes and, the me- and tons of stuff in the medical industry. Uh, plastics are used for food storage. I like Tupperware. Plastics have their place. Do we need 10 trillion tons of disposable plastic bags produced every year? Yeah, can't we give up on that? I'm not even saying ban plastics. I'm saying, can't we do it smarter? And I think that's what the Canadian Trudeau approach is all about, too. One more story on the environment. Uh, planting, and this is local. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get over here. I, I didn't see so many uh, uh, choices. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Not choices. I didn't see so many comments pop up. From 1K, 1CK, technically we could be a zero carbon emissions today if we wanted to be. Uh, for the right price of $3,200 approximately per year per person, uh, just given the blend and cost of negative emissions technology. That's cool. Can you send me whatever stories or data uh, you've seen on that 1K so I can read that as well? Uh, and rising at inflation, I computed that cash flow cost, determined IRs, projects, and reduce emission. Well, thanks for that, um, 1K. That's awesome. And you also pointed out the article in a major publication about the idea of recycling plastics completely doesn't work. I agree. And its advocates kind of disappeared. Yeah, recycling plastic seems like a great idea, but there's just not that many industries who are actually doing anything with the recycled stuff. They're getting a little bit better all the time. Hang on, I'm writing to you guys right now. Uh, People are refining it and getting better, and there are some uses... Uh, but it's not as easy as anybody might think. In fact, you know, all of us who go throw our recycling stuff in the blue bins in Blacksburg every week, I hate to tell you, I think most of that stuff just ends up in a landfill anyway. So the recycling thing hasn't gotten anywhere remotely close to where we think it sh- is or where we think it should be. That's why the Canadian concept of banning particular things is interesting to me. By the way, on the same good news front, I should go back to it, uh, I believe San Francisco has already banned recyclable, uh, I'm sorry, banned plastic grocery bags. So again, this should hopefully be an impetus where you see major big cities uh, and major governments start to say, hey, we're going to start getting rid of just some of these things, just some of these things. Uh, that's a good move. That's good news because that's the way it's going to happen. You're not going to ban plastics outright. You're not going to ban coal outright. You're not going to ban anything outright. You have to have a piecemeal approach where people and enough entities are moving forward on specific fronts, coming up with alternatives and, and, and proving that it works. If Canada bans all plastic bags in two or three years from now, it's getting along fine and the apocalypse hasn't come uh, then everybody else will be like, well, yeah, they're already doing it. I mean, why would Canada's doing it? Of course we're going to do it. San Francisco's already going doing it, so LA should do it. And then DC will probably do it. 
Okay, uh, but let me get back to uh, uh, this one that's local. This is in Virginia. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Matt Growl, I say, yeah, Connecticut put a 10-cent tax on plastic bags. Yeah, tax the living hell out of you if you want. be better just to ban them, but it's kind of like cigarettes. Cigarettes now cost, what, like 5 6 $10 a pack? They don't cost nothing to make, so it is a tax. Uh, some would say a, a, a uh, an idiot tax. If you're still doing this and you know it's killing you, yeah, you're not that smart. Uh, however, again, I'm not judging people that smoke. Uh, it's an addictive thing. Uh, but plastic bags, there'll be people like, I don't care. I just don't care. So taxing it is one way uh, to try to limit its use and banning it outright for particular things. Really, can we all not live without s- stir sticks? Come on. Come on. At some level, let's look at some of the more elemental things that no one really needs at all, that affect no one's life at all. Let's start with those and then move up to the next thing after that. Uh, let's see. Oh, somebody's got a podcast in here. Really good. Consequential says it's a really good uh, 99PL podcast episode on recycling here. Oh, cool. Thanks. Could you email that to me uh, as well? Constant questioning. I don't know how to save stuff on the chat room after I get out of here. Uh, and 1K1C actually up here says renewable markets for solar and wind in the U.S. are some of the highest growth uh, uh, verticals in the U.S. the past four, four years. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I'm not ruling the United States out. I'm saying 50, a full 50% of the U.S. population, uh, and let's just be honest here, uh, who are Trump supporters as well in his administration and other politicians like them, uh, they just don't believe in it. Uh, they, For whatever reasons, for a variety of reasons, some may just, from religious reasons, say God's going to take care of us. Who cares? Others, from economic reasons, just say, hey, look, it costs the U.S. too much money and makes us uncompetitive. We don't care. We, we would rather be rich than worry about, we'll worry about the dirt later, which is funny because you never get around to worrying about the dirt. Just ask Soviet Union. So for whatever multiple reasons that half the country of America does not w- believe in any of this or does not want any of this, it, I don't want the other half of America forcing it on them. I just would like to see some good news policies of, hey, there's some really good alternatives. Here are these alternatives, let's say cars, self-driving cars or green car. Here's this alternative that's so cool everybody wants it. Here's this alternative energy that's so awesome everybody wants it. It co- it's going to save you so much money or it has a cool factor or it's a cool technology or you get a great tax benefit. We should always build things and try to do things to convince people to come along because of the positive attributes of it, not because you're going to be punished if you don't do it. That's the only way things work with humans, and especially the 50% of humans in America. They're only going to do something if it directly impacts them for the positive and they like it. You're not going to make anybody do anything. Okay, well, maybe we had to ban cigarettes, but... (laughs) Anyway, I like this story too, and sorry, again, I really thought it was going to be the half-hour good news podcast on Fridays, but here we are in an hour because I'm having so much fun. But the other uh, uh, story from Virginia, planting 70 million eelgrass seeds led to the ecosystem's rapid recovery. So here I started this whole environmental rant talking about Blade Runner 2049, uh, which started with the economic ecosystems collapse, not economic, ecosystems collapse. It wasn't even nuclear war. It was an ecosystems collapse uh, in the sci-fi thriller. 
And so here you have some really good news of just planting a certain type of grass in the Chesapeake Bay, uh, south of the eastern shore, over the course of a few years, really turn things around for the positive in a very big way, like measurable ways. That's kind of cool. The results are a game changer, says Carlos Duarte. It's an example of how nature-based solutions can help mitigate climate change. The marine ecologist at uh, King Abdullah University of Science and Technology in Tawai, Saudi Arabia, is a leader in recognizing the carbon storing capacity of mangroves, tidal marshes, and sea grasses. Yes, uh, hopefully they'll plant 10 million megatons of these seeds uh, outside of uh, uh, Louisiana, the Louisiana coast, <laughs> uh, which regularly washes away. And what this is all about, as you might have hint, uh, got the inclination from some of the keywords I threw in there, is carbon sequestering. So planting tons of grasses around coastal margins does a couple of things. It provides some stability as storm surges are seemingly increasing. Again, maybe because of global warming, maybe not. Uh, but certainly we've seen an increase in storm surging, uh, hurricanes, uh, things of that nature, which inundate coastal communities. And there's more humans living in coastal communities than ever before. Uh, so this thing is stabilizing a little bit. Uh, offshore, but also it's sequestering carbon. So as green things grow, uh, they soak up the carbon and then they die and get laid down, okay? On the seabed, out of sight, out of mind. That's how coal and oil got created, by the way, for millions and billions of years of deposits of green stuff, which just gets buried. So it's the most natural way to basically sequester carbon. Humans are trying to figure out all kinds of non-natural ways to sequester carbon, but this is a natural one. And apparently it worked, and it worked quickly. That, that was the good, really good news about this. And it worked quickly in Virginia, how we live here. So it, to me, it's a double, triple good news story of that's some interesting stuff. Makes me want to go visit the Eastern Shore and hang out in the Chesapeake Bay. Okay, cool. Uh, and just a couple other, uh, uh, not even so much good news stories, but positive spin Technology stories that I really like. Uh, who, how can you not like SpaceX if you're a fan of space at all or the future of our species at all? SpaceX rocket issues sorted out. NASA ready to send four astronauts uh, to the International Space Station. And I love the picture of the four astronauts because it's, it's a diverse group of human beings. So it's a double positive good news story for me. We got this thing called SpaceX. We have private enterprise that is taking on the challenge of space exploration. Uh, which may, with a lot of competition from other countries, be what accelerates technologies and space exploration. And that, that's one good thing that I really like. And then the other good thing is, and look how diverse the crew is they're sending up. Could you imagine this? Uh, in the 1950s and 1960s space programs, it's just unthinkable. We are getting towards a perhaps more equal society, at least when it comes to things like this. Again, not dissing uh, NASA of the past, but you've all seen space programs, right? You've all seen uh, 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 Apollo 13, uh, the moon launch itself, any movie about space from the 60s. There ain't nothing but white dudes in every space rocket, and there ain't nothing but white dudes at Central Command. There ain't nothing but white dudes in every single building of NASA. So this is an intriguing, awesome, good news change on a good news technology uh, story. Okay. Uh, and finally, 
to round out the fun for your holiday weekend. Uh, it's a blue moon this Halloween. That's tomorrow. Once in a blue moon. Actually, once in a blue moon is not that terribly long as you think. I think it's 2.7 years. So what is a blue moon? Blue moon on Halloween. Wow. It's too bad we have this pandemic thing because what a great combination for kids. They have a full blue moon on a Halloween. Blue moon is not technically blue. Moons come in different colors all the time. That's atmospheric conditions that change the color of the moon. And they're not changing the color of the moon. They're changing uh, the color of the light that's being reflected through the atmosphere from the moon. So it's not necessarily blue. It's called a blue moon because of its supposed rarity. It is the second full moon this month. Thus the term blue moon. Two full moons in one month. Uh, this month being October. Uh, typically, you have a the lunar cycle is kind of like the month uh, calendar. Then it happens, you know, it waxes and wanes and it gets full and then it's gone again in a new moon about once a month. But the lunar cycle is slightly faster than the, uh, um, uh, the what do you call the, the not diurnal, the cycle of the, uh, the Earth going around the sun. The moon cycle is faster. So there's a new moon. Uh, it's a 29.5-day cycle, so it doesn't exactly follow a standard average 30-day month, if that makes sense. So it catches up every now and again, like this month, and it's new moon when we started, and it went the whole cycle, and it's another, I'm sorry, it's a full moon at the beginning of the month, and now it's another full moon because its cycle has caught up and surpassed the regular monthly cycles. That makes sense? And speaking of Halloween, I would have been remiss without saying that the great pumpkin Charlie Brown will be live. I'm not sorry, not live. It's recorded. <laughs> it's recorded in 1966. Uh, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown special has been moved to iTunes. Uh, Apple grabbed it and a bunch of other, the Peanuts classics, which pissed off a ton of people. However, they're streaming it for free. So you can, starting today, I believe, today, throughout the weekend on iTunes, or even a complimentary membership. If you don't have one for the weekend, you can watch The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, which is kind of a sentinel classic that almost all Americans have seen at least once, if not every year for most of their lives, along with the, the Peanuts Christmas special and, and all the other ones. Uh, and I will end with just one other thing. If you aren't out trick-or-treating, the last good news for some of you, not so much for me, but this apparently makes people, a lot of people really happy. The last huge good news Friday story we got is the McRib has returned to McDonald's nationwide for the first time since 2012. The jubilant masses across America can't wait to go get a McRib at McDonald's. There's your trick or treat, friends. I actually never touch one of these things. They always look scary as hell to me, but they bring peace, love, and joy to McRib lovers across our country. <laughs> I guess the globe. So if one is so inclined, uh, by all means, uh, during or after your tricks and treats, go get you a McRib and relive the past in style. Uh, and now I'll answer some questions. That's all the... the the good news I have this Friday, I really liked all those good news. Hopefully you all like that good news. If you guys want me to continue to do the good news on Friday, just give me a shout out, uh, as I always suggest. Uh, Kevin 29 says, boy, yo boy, you should play GeoGuessr. 
Uh, Voetsky says, yeah, you really should. Yeah, I've played GeoGuessr before. I take a lot of time, but I nail it. So I'll take a half an hour, and I'll nail it. Uh, Tech Hokey says, thanks for another great stream, Professor Boy. Thank you, Tech Hokey 13. Uh, let's see. Uh, I already got to Matt Grower and Constant Questionings. And uh, Plaid Katie says that she loves Constant Questionings podcast. And let's see. Who else? I try, uh, Constant Question says, I tried that McRib on my first semester at Tech. Never again. <laughs> I'm not even going to try it the first time. It's frightening. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, let me get rid of that damn McRib. That thing is just scary. <laughs> Thank you all so much for another fun podcast for me. I just have a good time doing this, I hope. It's educational, enlightening, and in, in terms of the Friday Good News podcast, I hope it makes you feel a little bit better about the world. And maybe a little more positivity might be happening that you didn't know about. Uh, but that will be all for me for now. Have a great uh, Halloween. I'm going to go home and watch The Great Pumpkin right now with some pumpkin cocktails. Uh, and have a great Halloween. Have a great weekend. And then we'll see you on Monday. For those of you who want to tune back in for the regular Monday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday 8 o'clock podcast where I think I'm going to start my whole lecture on Russia and just do an hour a night on Russia until we get through it all. Because why not? Cool? Have a great weekend, and everybody, as always, party on.